Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Saturday, February 13th, 2021. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. These are some of the most famous words in the entire Bible. This is Psalm 23. And this is probably the most famous of The Psalms in the Psalter, it's maybe the most precious of the Psalms to many people, a common uh, passage that's a favorite for a lot of people. And I think today we're going to, we're going to see why. And I think many of us probably even have stories from our own lives of times when Psalm 23 was especially precious to us. In my own life, I think of moving to Idaho to plant a church, Compass Bible Church, Treasure Valley. I will never forget August 30th, 2018, when my family crossed the Idaho state lines with all of our possessions and we pulled into the Treasure Valley. And as we did, it just felt like this weight was descending on my shoulders. Here I was in this new place that I spent less than two weeks of my life in, previous to that. And now all of a sudden, here we are, and we're going to start a church, and we're going to lead families that have moved up here and, and do this. And all of a sudden, I'm kind of thinking, what What did I get myself into? Is this going to work like we've planned? Uh, what's what's going to happen? And it all started to feel so much more real and so much more weighty to me. And I remember we, we slept that first night in a new apartment where we were staying and we were on some, you know, not very great air mattress. Uh, my wife and I and, you know, the trash truck came by really, really early the next morning, woke me up and I couldn't get back to sleep because I was thinking about all of these different things. And the only thing I could really think of to to, to find peace in, in all of that and try to find some measure of certainty in the midst of what felt like a lot of uncertainty was The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And this this psalm for me in that moment and for many Christians is a go-to because it's one of the psalms that many people we've heard so much that it's easy for us to memorize. And we can start walking through this psalm in our minds. And we look back at the times or we're lying awake at night and what we find ourselves doing is reciting the 23rd psalm. And I remember that gave great comfort to me in in those times where the world seemed heavier than it ever had before, that the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. 
and to end with, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Well, what are some of your memories of Psalm 23 and times where it has encouraged you? And if you don't have those memories, I would encourage you, make this a psalm that you run to when life does feel uncertain and when you need comfort. Make it a psalm that you memorize. If if you don't have it memorized already, and you might find as you try to memorize it, a lot of it will come quickly because a lot of these verses are kind of in your brain somewhere and you've heard them so many times. And make this something that you think about and find comfort in. Let's let, let's look at uh, some of just this psalm and find out why it is so precious. Verse 1 says, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And even that first phrase, there's so many words that we should think about. One, the Lord. Who is it that it is our shepherd? It is the Lord. And as I read this today, I thought back to what we just read in Exodus 34, where God passes before Moses and he says, the Lord, the Lord. And then he describes himself, a God that is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and in faithfulness, right? And a God who's also just, it described this God and that God, the God who is merciful and compassionate, the God who is just and won't clear the guilty, that God, the maker of heaven and earth, He is my shepherd. And then we get to those words. He is my shepherd. He's not just a shepherd out there, but if my faith is in Christ, he is my shepherd. And then we think of what what a shepherd is. He, He is my leader. He is my protector. He is my provider. And then I shall not want, right? That kind of rephrase what we've kept a lot of the traditional older English language there, but kind of the idea is I'm not going to have any needs. I'm never going to be in want. I'm going to have everything that I need because the Lord is my shepherd. And then he reflects, I think, on some just ways that God has provided for him and been good to him. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. And I think many of us, we can think of at least some points in our lives that we, we felt like, hey, the pastures were green, the waters were still, and we need to attribute that to God. He also talks about God restoring our soul. I mean, that's kind of what revival from the Bible is all about, that every day we would look to God's word, we would look to our shepherd for food and for direction, and that he restores our soul every day through his word. And then he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. That this shepherd, he's not, his ultimate mission is not just to lead us to where we are comfortable. His ultimate mission is to lead us in paths of righteousness where we are godly and honoring to him. And one thing I love about this psalm, even though you think, oh, that's idealistic, it gets real here in verse four. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So in in the hard times, I'm comforted because I know my shepherd is with me. In the good times, I'm grateful because these green pastures, these quiet streams, this is where my shepherd has, has led me. And so two things that stood out to me, even just this time reading Psalm 23, that I want to encourage you to have as you come away from this psalm are gratitude and confidence. 
At first, I want you to have gratitude for how your shepherd has provided for you. How has he led you through uh, green pastures? How has he led you beside quiet waters? How has he led you through the valley of the shadow of death to where, hey, that, that valley might have been dark and scary, but you knew that God was with you. That's where he gets to in verse five, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. There's a lot of people out there in the world today trying to view their cup as half full instead of half empty. David here says, my cup overflows. I think if we have a proper perspective of who God is, and we look back with gratitude on how he has provided for us and led us in times both good and bad, then I think we will have this right perspective and be able to say, my cup overflows. I would hope that's the cry of every Christian. And I think we start to see with this psalm, that statement, my cup overflows, is not dependent on circumstances. Because David, he he knows the green pastures, but he knows the valley of the shadow of death. David spent many years of his life on the run from King Saul. He knew betrayal from people close to him and even from his own family. But he says, my cup overflows. That's not just a statement for people that, oh, they seem to have had it good. That's a statement for anybody who can say, the Lord is my shepherd. So I hope that we all leave Psalm 23 today with a great sense of gratitude But I also hope we leave with a great sense of confidence. Verse 6, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Right? Here we go. He's saying, hey, I'm reflecting on the past, but the the future, God's goodness and mercy are going to follow me. I like to think of um, God's goodness and mercy, right? If the Lord is the shepherd and we are the sheep, then his goodness and mercy are kind of like the sheepdogs, you know, keeping us in line, keeping us close to the shepherd, helping to watch after us. And so we're going to spend the rest of our lives with God's goodness and mercy chasing after us, following us, surrounding us all the days of our life. And we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That should give us incredible confidence. And again, not confidence that all the circumstances are going to be good, but even when the next valley comes, God's going to be with me. His goodness and mercy are going to be right there with me. So I hope we leave Psalm 23 with, you may be reflecting on some times that this Psalm has been precious to you and all of us leaving with a lot of gratitude and a lot of confidence. And if you want to get two dogs and name them Chesed and Tov, goodness and mercy, um, go ahead and do that. That, That's that's just for free today here on Revival from the Bible. Well, now let's turn to some other passages briefly today. And let's start with Matthew chapter 13, 36 to 46. And I want us to note here the two parables at the end of this passage. In verse 44, it says, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. 
And so we see there, both of these parables are very similar. Somebody finds something very precious and they go and they give up everything else to go and get that one thing. And obviously he's saying that one thing that's so precious that we should be willing to give up everything for is the kingdom of heaven. I mean, you could put that a lot of different ways. I mean, following Christ, knowing Christ, that is the most precious thing. And so we, I think that helps put perspective to a lot of what we should think about Christianity and about following Christ. If we think of following Christ as just, oh yeah, this is what I got to do to get out of hell. Wow, we are missing so much. And I think it helps us understand how Christianity... It, it, it's a gift. Our salvation is a gift, but also Jesus makes it clear that it, this gift costs us everything. And you might say, well, how, how does that work, right? Um, well, I think these parables put it into um, perspective for us that it's a gift and it is so precious. Knowing Christ, finding forgiveness for our sins, eternal life, being able to say, the Lord is my shepherd. These things that come with the kingdom of heaven are so precious, so valuable that why in the world wouldn't we give up everything to gain these things? We'd be crazy not to give up everything to gain the kingdom of heaven. And when you think about the things that we're giving up, it's the vain, empty things of the world and the empty promises of selfishness and all of these different things. And I think we even see that in Acts chapter 14. So we look today at verses 1 through 18. It's interesting. They go to one place and don't really get very far before facing opposition. And they go to another place. They go to Lystra and they perform a miracle. And people think, whoa, the gods have taken on human form. And they call Barnabas Zeus and Paul Hermes because Paul, he was kind of the spokesman. Um, so he he got that title of Hermes while Barnabas is Zeus. And they're preparing to sacrifice to Paul and Barnabas. And they're saying, no, 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 no. This is not what's supposed to happen. And they tear their garments and cry out, men, why are you doing these things? We are also men of like nature with you. And we bring you good news that you should turn from these vain things to a living God who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. Right? That, that's kind of the idea of these parables, even from Matthew 13. Guys, turn from these vain things. Sell everything that you have with all this idolatry and foolishness and gain a knowledge of the one true God who made heaven and earth. And I hope that helps you even just as you think about Christianity. Does Christianity require sacrifice? Yes, but let's put it in perspective. We're giving up vain and empty things to gain a knowledge of the one true God and a relationship with him. We're giving up just the empty promises of the world to, to gain being able to say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Uh, even when you start thinking about like that, how much of a sacrifice even is it, right? When we're giving up bad things to gain the best thing. So I hope th those things encourage us, even as we think about our Christian faith. Finally, we're going to look at Exodus 36 to 38 today, briefly. And, and these are passages that, you know, it's a lot of details. And I think there's some things to notice here, but it's also a lot of repetition. And I think that's one thing to even to notice about these chapters is that God has made it clear what the design of the tabernacle should be. And what we read about in these chapters is, you know what? They did it. They did it exactly like God told them to. 
So we see here a lesson even in obedience of following the instructions that God has has given. Let's do our work God's way. But again, we also see what we talked about the other day of how God involves people, how the people came and gave and gave so much that they eventually had to be turned away. And we also see in these passages, God even valuing uh, and using human skill to create something that was good and solid as a work of a craftsman, but also beautiful that had artistic designs and all of these different things. And I think even today, we should worship God in spirit and truth. We should worship God as he has directed us, but even God allows us to use skill. I think of people that use musical skill to worship God and how God can use human artistry and skill and craftsmanship to honor and to serve him. And so that's kind of a a cool thing that we do see here as we're starting to wrap up the book of Exodus. But I hope today it's just been precious. I woke up today being like, oh yes, Psalm 23. It feels like Christmas, right? I hope we reflect on how precious this Psalm has been to us. And we all leave this Psalm today with a lot of gratitude and a lot of confidence because hopefully we can all say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want Thanks for digging into God's Word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out RevivalFromTheBible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to CompassBible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.